Hey everybody, I'm Nick Davis. Welcome to Simply Not Easy, the podcast about simple action steps to improve the journey of your life as I work to improve the journey of my own. Hey, what's going on everybody? Welcome back to Simply Not Easy. Hope you're all having a fantastic day out there today. To be honest with y'all, I am surprised, completely surprised by myself, surprised that I have not done this muscle yet for a Muscle Monday episode, or at least I was uh, digging through back through the records, and I don't believe I have. If I have, well, guess what? It's going to be a damn good reminder for y'all. Today, Muscle Monday, glute medius, the glute medius, gluteus medius, booteus medius, whatever uh, Latin y'all want to throw on that. This is about a strong, strong muscle of the hip that needs to be far stronger than it is in most people. Now, I'm willing to bet if you guys go around and you say to a bunch of different people and interview people and say, hey, what's the people with a knowledge of anatomy? What's the most popular kind of physical therapy muscle? Three out of five, four out of five people would probably say glute meat. Now, if you ask people, hey, name your top five kind of popular muscles that gets the most attention in physical therapy. For naming top five, it, you would be hard-pressed to find one person who did not name the glute meat in their list of top five. And now, we have to break it down. We have to understand, hey, what's the anatomical rationale for this? Like, is there a rationale? Is it that, hey, there's just a big fat out there about... You know, some people are like, hey, man, I just, I love the butt. And some people are like, yeah, 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 I love the butt too, but I love the side butt. So we're going to see, is this a fad, is this a fantasy, or is this based on anatomical reality? And honestly, it's probably all going to be a, a mixture of both as we work our way in here. So, the glute mead, for its attachments, its attachments, the origin is on the iliac crest and it's between the anterior and posterior gluteal lines. So as where all the other glute muscles attach for the parts of glute min, glute max, and our very own glute meat again between the anterior and posterior gluteal lines. Now, in addition to this bad boy, for the origin, it's a nice broad shaped fan muscle. So it starts out with a pretty broad origin and it tapers on down to a thin tender tendon based insertion. And so this insertion for the tendon, for the glute med, is on your iliac, is on, excuse me, the greater trochanter. And it's on the lateral lip of the greater trochanter in that area. So with this going on, that muscle kind of fans down from a nice broad attachment up high superiorly and travels down inferiorly for that attachment. So the orientation is much less than kind of like the typical like glute max butt muscle that fans all the way around and kind of wraps around for a big rotation component. So while the glute max, the glute mid, the med, excuse me, is a rotator, it is more predominantly an abductor. So there we go, we're getting into its actions. The glute med, what does it do? It abducts, AB ducks the legs, it brings the leg out to the side, an open chain, and what it also does is it internally rotates the femur. So, why is this so important? Well, the internal rotation is very minor in action compared to what happens at the 
abduction part. Most likely what happens is that a little bit of internal rotation from the fiber orientation is more so just to balance out the glute max external rotation. So there's still an overall, as you activate the totality of the glutes, there's an overall abduction and external rotation moment that occurs to generate force, to generate power, to push off through the ground and torque the ground away. And so it, we see this in a similar way to how um, the trapezius function, right? So while um, we have the upper trap, the middle trap, and the lower trap, they all kind of combine together to have different actions. And in totality, they're all going to, for a maximal effort, they're going to all retract. And so you've got some imposing actions, some that kind of elevate, some that depress, um, some that just retract. Well, overall, when you combine all those moments, the moment arms together, and, for, and forces and vector lines, what are you going to do? You're going to retract. So what are you going to do for the glutes in general? You're going to abduct, externally rotate. So abduction is great, right? It's great for open chain, right? Okay, but most important is closed chain. Before we get to that, we're gonna say, hey, where does this muscle get its juice from? All right, where does it get its nerve innervation from? Glute med innervation is a superior gluteal nerve from the sacral plexus, nerve roots L4, L5, and S1. I want you all to put a little star by L5. L5, the glute med, is one of the alternate kind of key muscle tests, the key myotomes for fatigable weakness in the leg related to a nerve-related pathology. So irritation, injury to nerve, enough that is kind of compromising um, the system, enough that is compromising, hey, nerve signal to the L5-related muscles. Well, we're going to see a fatigable weakness in the glute med. And again, fatigable versus non-fatigable weakness. I've gone over this in the past. Actually, I'll probably do another podcast episode on it because um, it's pretty, you know, it's a simple concept with huge ramifications. If you have a general weakness, right? It tests the glute med. Okay, it's weak. You test it again. Guess what? It's still weak. You test it again. Guess what? It's still weak. That's just weak, right? Your muscle is weak. It doesn't take a genius to figure it out. If you can't move the muscle well, it's weak. Fatigable weakness is, hey, I test the muscle, I test glute med. It might be weak, it might be medium, it might be strong. Whatever your objective finding is, it is what it is. But I say, okay, I'm not satisfied, I'm greedy. Let me do the same test again. I test it again. I'm holding it, I'm holding it. And then all of a sudden, boom, it just gives out. Right? There is that huge stimulus that we, this huge discrepancy, the change that we wouldn't typically expect if the muscle just got tired. Usually if you imagine somebody kind of doing a bench press or struggling, getting a wrap up, okay, I'm driving and there is a beautiful husky dog sticking his head out the window. I love huskies. All right, anyways, that's my distraction. Just had to vocalize that because I love dogs and I'm willing to bet that somebody on this podcast episode loves dogs too. So there you go, you're welcome. Need more dogs in our lives, that's a guarantee. But anyways, fatigable weakness. Let me attempt to pretend to get back on my train of thought here. We're testing it, we're testing it, we're testing it. Uh, then you see somebody like on a bench press, right? And you imagine, hey, all of a sudden they can't handle the load. They're very slowly kind of going down, 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 right? It's that eccentric control because they can't get it. And it's kind of gradual. Versus somebody who's doing a bench press is about to lock out, then all of a sudden their arms just cave out from under them. They just completely collapse, right? They just, they can't. It's like their legs and their arms go to complete jelly for whatever kind of exercise they're doing for that muscle. That's what a fatigable weakness is. It's a big discrepancy, whereas there is a lack 
of neurological signaling, of kind of transducing the signal, that just does not happen. Does not happen. So, again, we can tell, hey, is it L5 going on or is it more me weakness going on? Because it has big implications for treatment and big implications for where do we else do we look. So what else will we do? We do other L5 related tests. We do, hey, let me extend your big toe. Okay, sweet, does that check out? Okay, let me do the ankle everters, our peroneal muscles. Okay, let's say that the glute meat's weak as heck. Can't tell if it's fatigable or not because it's just weak. And then you test the other L5 muscles, the everters, and the great toe extension, and those tests pretty strong and they're not fatigable. Well, I'm less likely to think it's an L5 issue, right? More just glute meat weakness that way too many people have. Versus, I test glute meat, it's kind of inconclusive, it's pretty tired, but the person could just be out of shape. I test the everters, I test great toe extension, and oh boy, they're fatigable weakness too. Well, the cluster of tests is more likely to point me, <clears throat> excuse me, to an L5 irritation. L5 uh, motor signal compromise for whatever reason, and we have to do more figuring out with that nonsense. So that's where it gets its juice from. We talked about the actions in general, the internal rotation slightly, kind of like the supraspinatus coming down to be primary abductor, and depending on the angle of the scapula, the angle of the arm, it can also aid in partial rotation as well based on the bias of the rest of the system. Same thing applies for the glute med, where in flexion, it can actually, kind of a deep flexion, you know, we go down, and then it becomes a little bit even more emphasized as we can imagine the tendons kind of coming down, we go into flexion. That's when it's going to pull us even more into internal rotation as that attachment site changes as you go into flexion again, and it should be a slight posterior glide of the femur, of the femoral head. So, we've got that, right? We get that understanding, we get the knowledge of what the muscle is, what it's supposed to do, functional implications for this bad boy. We talked about open chain, what it does. Closed chain, even more important. This is the muscle responsible for balance, for stability, um, for knee health and for back health, really. Um, we have to have robustness in this. We have to have power. We have to have stabilization. We have to have communication between this muscle and the obliques at the same time for keeping an upright, strong, stable trunk and doing that with the rotation. If we just stand, in, if we just stand without muscle activation, our ligamentous structures have us collapse inward. We have us collapse inward into flexion, adduction, internal rotation. So what are the glutes, glute max and glute med going to do? Well, they're going to externally rotate. They're going to abduct and what else we got? Externally rotate. So externally rotate, extension, and abduction. And that's the recipe for success for balancing ourselves out. So I've never met a person where their issue is they have too strong of glutes. You may have weakness to other stuff, but it's never too strong of glutes in that area. So what are top exercises for hip abduction? Well, if you want to work on coordination, just get a ton of different balance stability challenges going on. Freaking love that stuff. It's great. I've been doing a lot more of that stuff with some of my mace training, actually. Just working on balance, kind of challenging um, the system from above on a stable surface with bare feet um, or, or feet without shoes and socks, but human feet still. And I've been doing that, and that's been helping a ton. Um, so that's really cool working on balance that way for myself. In addition to that, um, and those balance challenges, okay, let's say you want to work strength. Well, you got to tone up the resistance on these bad boys. Um, you know, it's one thing to 
kind of go along. Let's say I want to activate the muscle. I have a hard time activating it. Well, then I'm going to do my clamshells where you kind of bring the leg out to the side. I'm going to do my sideline hip abduction and not get core compensation to teach myself how to use it. But then ultimately, I've got to load this muscle up. I've got to tie some bands around. I've got to get into, let's say, doing a side plank for hip abductors for the glute med with the obliques. And then I do like a clamshell kind of rotation motion for, again, getting the glutes active in that area. So there's a heck of a lot of implications we can do with this, a lot of ways that we can strengthen the glute med. I am a huge, huge, huge fan of saying, hey, let's load up under the rack, let's load up with squats for whatever you're doing. You know, start with, let's say, for coordination, start with like 50% of what you typically do. So whatever your 10 rep max is, if you're trying to get close to that, knock it down 50%, but then eventually get up to like, you know, 70% of that and be able and be willing to load that sucker up get that glute med fatigue and get it there you know if you've ever seen people doing the single leg squats or pistol squats you've got to have a ton of glute med stability to have that normal tracking in that area again huge implications for back health and for knee health now let's say people are having a hard time with that well resistance is feedback right if they say hey i don't really you ask them hey what muscle's working well, i don't know all right i don't feel a muscle working and in your mind you're like well they must be unintelligent muscles have to work you're moving no they're not unintelligent you just gave them an unintelligent stimulus you uh you didn't challenge them enough so provide some resistance maybe just with your hands say push into this or you know have a band have some kind of challenge uh, then after that you say okay now with that where do you feel it and they're going to tell you something and if they don't tell you something they don't feel something then you got to push harder you got to give them more resistance so resistance is not always an automatic error to, that says this is more difficult. Resistance is feedback. Resistance is proprioceptive enhancement, or rather, I should say, propio, um, resistance encourages a potential for proprioceptive enhancement. Resistance encourages a potential for proprioceptive enhancement. All I mean by that is, if you've got to break through obstacles in your life, you can, when there are tough obstacles, you can feel them. You can feel it's a challenge. If you just say, oh, I got to get out of bed in the morning, and you've been getting out of the bed in the morning for the last 30 days, and somebody asks you what's different today, where, where do you feel that? Where do you feel the struggle today? Uh, I don't know. Right? They got, we have to have a new challenge in life. We have to have new stimulus. So if people aren't feeling stuff, guess what? That's your role as a healthcare practitioner to do it. If you're not feeling something in your body when you're working out, that's your key to change something, right? For me, I did a ton of um, kind of RDLs today, um, more like straight leg deadlift. And, um, you know, in theory, you're supposed to feel them in your hamstrings. Normally, I feel them with my activation that I try and gauge. I feel them primarily in my glutes. Uh, then I also go ahead and I feel something, a little bit in my hamstrings, but more so with a extreme lengthening, more so with the fatigue as it builds up for myself. But again, I've got to work myself to that point. But if I went a lighter weight, I'd feel that less. If I went a heavier weight, I'd feel it more. All right, y'all. It's been a whirlwind. It's been great. But the key is that with the whirlwind around you, as everything else gets a little unstable, use a glute med, stabilize it for this very popular physical therapy muscle. Let's learn how to use it for the function of our body, the betterment of our back, the improvement of our knees, strength output. Think about that neurological influence every once in a while.
Alright, y'all. Cheers to a better booty. Simply. Not easy.